Hey everyone, this is Let's Get Practical with Daryl Girardier. And today we're talking about part three of our three-part series on what to look for in an online giving platform. Let's do this. Welcome to Let's Get Practical. This podcast is about church communications from a practical standpoint. It's about what works and what doesn't. It's about helping you cut through all the clutter and noise and getting straight to the point. And today we're getting straight to the point about what to look for in an online giving platform. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, the previous two episodes, we walked you through a framework, a series of questions to ask when you're looking at an online giving platform. And then in the second episode, I'll talk to you through some of the key feature sets that typically a lot of them espouse and, and really kind of sell you on. And I kind of hopefully kind of cut through some of the noise on that, kind of let you know, like of those feature sets, this is the ones that are really are going to matter in terms of what's really going to matter for you and your church. In this episode, the last part of this series, I want to talk about how you deal with the high-pressure salesman aspect that comes from working with these companies. If you'll recall in episode one, I talked through a little bit of like one of the things you need to ask for one of the framework questions is how do they make their money? How does this company that wants to all of a sudden become your provider for online giving, in other words, people are going to put money into their system and the system comes back to you. Uh, they're going to offer you text to give, maybe a mobile app, some sort of you know way of doing online giving. You know, how do they themselves make you money? Is it through transaction fees? Is it through monthly fees? And this is a kind of important question to ask because you want to know how they're making money because how they're making money is going to tell you um, how they're going to treat you on certain levels. So in other words, um, are they publicly are they publicly traded company? Are they privately held company? Are they small? Are they large? How are they making their money? You ask all these kind of questions, you'll get real quick. You know, are they if they're just a rapid growth company, and they just want to grow as fast as they can, so they're gonna do whatever they can to get people in the door, or are they kind of more of a small, you know, mom and pop shop that just want to grow over time. You know, everybody's gonna be different, but you want to kind of ask those questions to kind of get a feel for for that, because if you get a feel for that. Then you'll know whether or not you're going to deal with some high pressure. I say high pressure salesmen or salespeople for, for lack of a better term, uh, because that's what I dealt with. Um, previously, I talked about the fact this whole this whole podcast series is coming out of the fact that I went on a six month kind of deep dive on this stuff to to help our church decide where it's going to go with its giving platform. And this is you know some reflection off of that. And one of the things I, I walked away from was not realizing how much I was going to deal with high pressure salespeople. Uh, and so how do you deal with that? How do you deal with somebody who's probably going to maybe take you out to coffee, maybe take you out to a meal? Um, they're going to email you. They're going to call you. They're going to promise you the moon. They're going to promise you everything. How do you deal with that? The pressure situation, even the emotional strings they're going to tug on, like nobody, we're going to treat you better than anybody else. We want to be partners in ministry. They're going to learn. They're going to know all the language. They're going to use words like generosity. They're going to do everything they can to get you into their system because again, this is a very lucrative business for a lot of companies to be in. So how do you deal with that? And so I've had to learn how to kind of turn off that emotional switch and turn on the rational part of my brain and say, okay, so how, how do I need to deal with this? I need to be somewhat cold when I deal with this because I'm making decisions, not just for, for my work, but for my work, that's going to actually impact our entire church. So here's some of the things I did as I was going through this, and these are things now practice I put in place whenever I'm dealing with somebody from any industry that's trying to become a provider for our church on some sort of online digital communication platform, whether it's website, giving, et cetera. 
So here's some of the things I've learned. One, I only deal with these people via email. Um, I maybe will take one phone call, maybe, but other than that, it's primarily through email. And I find emails the best because first off, one, everything that is said is therefore written down. So I have a written copy of everything that was agreed upon, everything was said, but also if the person keeps annoying me, I could just throw them in a spam filter and just call it a day. Um, I will tell people, you know, if you call me and they leave me a voicemail, I'll just send them an email. Hey, I got your voicemail. Hey, how about we just chat over email real quick? You know, let's just, let's hash this out real fast. So I specifically want to deal everything through email. It's a little cold and yes, I can't always read people's emotions through email, which is why email is not always a great communication tool, but it's efficient in the sense that I'm going to save a lot of time and I'm going to cut through a lot of the emotion and I'm going to kind of get really straight to the point on what I want to deal with. Especially, this is especially true, by the way, if you're letting somebody go, you're saying, you know what, we're not going to go with you. Email is probably the best way because when they get on the phone, they're going to try every emotional trick they can to get you in the door. Um, number two, you probably will be end up dealing with a customer service retention team if you're leaving somebody or you are trying to change something on the contract. So I've learned to figure out who are you actually really dealing with? Because you'll have a salesperson and then you'll have a customer service person and they're not the same people sometimes in certain companies. So I have found often that when you're dealing with these companies and you're dealing with high pressure salesmen, a high pressure salesman all of a sudden will then get you over to the customer retention people uh, if they find out you're, you're trying to leave or you're not happy with the product. And then all of a sudden they may switch you back to the salespeople. So understand that there are going to be multiple people you're going to bounce in between depending on what they're trying to get you to do. And that's going to be frustrating because you really would just want to deal with one person. And that's the sad part, but that's the reality of the, the this, this situation and these companies are coming in and doing this type of work. Number three, always be clear with your communication. I can't stress this enough. Be very, very clear about what you're looking for and what you're wanting from them. Uh, that includes your date, your timeline, your expectations. Be abundantly clear. In fact, I would say be over, over communicate your expectations, uh, over communicate things and bullet point lists with deadlines, expectations, and make sure that they've agreed to those expectations. You want to make sure that stuff is listed out. That's why I like email because I've had numerous phone calls with companies where we've agreed on something and then they don't deliver and they'll say, we have no record of that. And I was like, well, it was on a phone call. So be super clear in your emails. Uh, number four, if you are at the point where you're dealing with these high pressure salespeople and they give you a contract, okay. And you're like, okay, I think I may sign. You need to have yourself and probably more, probably two or three other people, unless you have like, you know, a lawyer on staff or somebody who's got a legal background, review your contract. Review your contract before you sign. And the reason why you want to do this is, is you want to make sure you understand if you cancel, what are exactly are the fees you're going to get back and then how you're going to get those fees back. Is there a process by which you've got to follow? Do you get all of your money back? When they say you get, you know, hundred percent money back guarantee, is that all the money I gave you? Is that all the fees or is it just a portion of it? You want to make sure that's clearly spelled out in the contract. You also want to find out if there's like a 30 day clause on the contract where, which you, if let's say you want to cancel but you have to give them 30 days notice. You will kind of want to know, like, do I have to give you X amount of notice if I want to cancel and go with somebody else? You want to kind of have a very, very, very clear idea of what the cancellation looks like. And by the way, you also want to have a clear idea of what happens to your data once you cancel. Do they wipe the data from their servers? Do you get a copy of the data? How do all that work? You want to make sure you have a clear understanding of how all that's going to work with the company. Um, the next thing and this will be the fifth thing on the list is 
expect them to offer you the moon. I think I've said that a couple of times now, but I know that they're going to offer you everything. Use that to your advantage. You have a lot of leverage here in this moment because they really, really want you. I suggest you get any upgrades, any offers, any discounts you possibly can. So if they're offering you something, you say, you know what, I'm really not sure your price is a little high and this person's coming in and you know what, they're offering me 25% off of what you've got or you know, work them against each other. You work the best advantage. That is your responsibility or fiduciary responsibility is to get the best deal you can for your church. Do everything you can to get the best discount, upgrades, you name it. Don't be afraid to do that. Uh, do everything you can to get yourself the best deal possible. That's what I've done. I've learned to say like, hey, nonprofit discount. Now, granted, it's online giving for churches, so obviously the, the, the you know that that's probably baked into the system. But there's other things I'll ask for. You know, well, since we're doing this, can we get this free? Can we get that free? Can you discount how we're going to do this? Uh, I don't want to pay this. Can you waive these fees? By the way, they can do a lot of that stuff. When they tell you we can't do that, the reality is they can do it. They're just choosing not to. Uh, in fact, most online companies work that way. So use that to your advantage because they really want your they really want your business. They really want your church's tithe money going through their system. So use that to your advantage and get get everything you can out of them in terms of discounts and upgrades. If that's the if, if those are the people you're going to go with that offer you multiple things that have different fees. See, do everything you can to get discounts and get upgrades. Do as much negotiation as possible. So those are the five things that I would tell you to do when you're dealing with high pressure salesmen, salespeople. Again, I think rule number one for me is I just deal with them in email. I don't deal with them on the phone because dealing with them on the phone, they're going to try everything. They're going to try to take you out for meals and try to convince you, convince your executive pastor, administrative pastor. This is why you ought to do this or senior pastor. And they're going to give you lots of really chart, great charts and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the reality of it is, is, is it's going to be a lot of emotional. It's going to be a lot of emotional toll on you uh, in this process. So make sure you just have a very, very clear understanding of what you're looking for, what they really offer, what they really can do for you and go from there and you'll be fine. But again, I, I tell you, work off of email as much as possible to be direct and be clear and you're going to be good to go. So there you go. That wraps up part three of our series about online giving. Hopefully this has been helpful to you and then in terms of how you should look for an online giving provider, what you should look for, what's the question you should ask, how to deal with high pressure salesmen, how do you look at through all these feature sets and whether really the feature sets that really actually matter to you. Hopefully you've got some gleans of information from this and you're able to be more educated, better educated, if you will, on the decision of choosing an online giving provider for your church. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes. We really love that. If you haven't done that yet, go into iTunes or your podcast app and subscribe as well. We would also love that. Until next week, you guys take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.